Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us once again for another episode of the Playsheet Podcast. My name is Charles, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Joe. Hey there, Charles. Joe, we're getting towards the kind of pointy end of the season here. The money end. Yeah, certainly for a lot of fantasy players out there, they're probably entering their final or penultimate game of, of fantasy. But this week in NFL, we witnessed some absolute madness. Some performances. There were some performances. There was some madness as well. I know what you're going to talk about. Go for it. <laughs> Daryl Taylor on the sideline, suddenly deciding that he wants to be part of the on-field team. What I, I don't even know what to make of this immense lapse of, of judgment. See, like, I kind of feel like uh, the Joker in that scene where he's like, you're, you're laughing, Murray, you're laughing. But this isn't funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this, is, this is probably one of the worst things I've seen on a football field uh, that, that I can remember this season. It, it just, it shakes down and breaks down the very core of how sport is played. You cannot run onto the field if you're not involved, if you wasn't on the field to start with. It, it, it doesn't matter the circumstances, it, it doesn't matter what goes on. It, it's, it's just, from a sporting thing, it just shakes the foundations of a game. Like There's been no kind of repercussion, no talk of punishment. Daryl Taylor, in my eyes, should be getting a, a substantial ban. And I'd, I'd go as far, and, and this sounds severe here. I know he's having the best season that he's probably ever had. 25-year-old linebacker, had three sacks this year, three forced fumbles. He plays in basically about 50% of the Seahawks' snaps. I'd consider cutting him if I was Pete Carroll. Because you just can't trust a player like that who's going to run on the field willy-nilly when he fancies it. I'm half with you on this because what he did was absolutely insane. <laughs> I think it's really important to point out that he didn't just join people on the field. He didn't just celebrate after the play was dead. He he made blocks. He, he threw blocks out during there. a live moment of play interception in return. which he yeah. was not on the field. That is absolutely insane. Equally, though, I think, listen, he is having a fantastic season and oh, blood rushed your head. Can you? No, 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 what? no, no, no. You're no. saying I, you I can't don't, forgive I a player think... for making a mistake if he is punished, accepts his punishment, owns up to his mistake and doesn't do it again? But it's going to be punished and there's been no punishment whatsoever. That I agree with it, you on. So, that I agree it, with you on. It's crazy, but it's it's not a rush of blood to the head. Like a rush of blood to the head is slapping someone because they've done like a bad hit on you. Or it, it, it's it's going up and slapping Chris Rock because he said your wife's bald. I don't know what it is, right? That's a rush of blood to the head. But running onto the field during a live interception return—that's just that's just anarchy. That's just pure anarchy. <laughs> it is. It's it's mental. Uh, so I'm 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 not happy about it. <laughs> like we're laughing about it, but I think it's absolutely outrageous. And and I'm just outrage that there's been no repercussions if i was a raiders fan not that they were probably gonna win that game really let's be honest but i'd probably be incensed even more yeah i mean you're absolutely right we're laughing because it's just so incredulous it's so bizarre and out of anything you'd expect I, I agree with you. There 100% needs to be a punishment because it's a really serious infraction, not just because you're you're fundamentally cheating, um, but there's safety issues at play here as well. Like, 
you know, you can't just come onto the field and start putting hits on people when people aren't expecting a mysterious extra player from the sideline. Yeah. Players are lining up the players they're going to tackle. I mean, suddenly, player 12 has entered the game. Yeah. Nonsense. Let's not hammer the point. We've said what we're going to say. I think we're there with it, but uh, incredulous, Charles. Incredulous. Okay. So let's move on then to the next game, which we're going to talk about, um, which is full of talking points. And again, I feel like I'm on a broken record here because each week we say, we're not always going to talk about the Vikings. We're not always going to talk about Green Bay, but Eagles Green Bay, it was a mad match. It was high scoring. There was a lot of weird things going on when you look at kind of the stats and the overall output of, of how the game played out. Um, but where do you want to start with this, Joe? Because there's, there's plenty of talking points from Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Hurts. Where do you want to go? I know we're going to get bogged down with Green Bay. So let's just talk about the Eagles first of all. And just say, you know, they recently lost their uh, unbeaten streak. There's been a few games that have been pretty close. This game scoreline-wise looks close, but I mean, the Eagles the Eagles were head and shoulders a better team. And aside from a short moment when Green Bay momentarily took the lead early in the first half, the Eagles never really looked like losing this. The run game was outstanding. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. There's issues with, 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 with Green Bay that allowed it to be that good, which we'll come on to. But you've got to give credit where credit's due and the Eagles look good. 100%. This Eagles team, when they play like that and play in that manner and play that game they want to, a very, very strong playoff team that could go a long way. Yeah, like which was infuriating because they got 363 rushing yards so many plays were runs, so many plays were runs and i was sat there going they're gonna run it they're gonna run it and i think green bay knew they were gonna run it but that o-line was creating chasms in that green bay defense that allowed some phenomenal plays yeah you know we said part of it is green bay's issue they struggled defending the run. But really, the Eagles, they stepped up in a big way. And I know this is something that we're going to go on and talk about because Hertz did a lot of running. But I think we've spoken about this so many times on the show before. He's allowed to get great rushing yards because you can't sleep on his passing game. Yeah, well, so let's just break this down. So of the 363 yards you've already mentioned, 157, just under half of them came from Jalen Hurts. He was averaging 9.2 yards per carries. He basically rushed the ball 17 times, so he played almost like a workhorse running back. Green Bay did have a spy to cover him, but this is kind of where it starts to go wrong for this Green Bay team. Now, uh, they lost, who was it, uh, Devondre Campbell a couple of weeks ago. And I think that this week it was really showing how having an interior linebacker out and injured and replacing him with a rookie who doesn't really know what they're doing too much, who is Quay Walker, isn't going to work against this Eagles team. Quay Walker was the spy. He was supposed to pick up Hurts. He just couldn't do it. And there were multiple times where, where, where Hurts just basically skinned him, where he turned him inside out and just went up down the field. That was the problem there. Now, talking about Jalen Hurts' arm, though, keeping teams honest... I think there's this false narrative which kind of reared its head that Hertz can't pass the ball, that Hertz is inaccurate. He's at 67%, 68% in terms of completion rate for the year. He's had a quarterback rate in greater than 105 on the year. He can throw the ball. This whole kind of narrative that, you know, you've got to make the Eagles throw, you've got to make the Eagles throw, I think that's a lazy narrative which is based on Hertz's rookie play 
which is last season. And I think that teams who take that attitude, not I think teams are, I think it's a commentator thing, lazy commentator chat. But if teams do take the attitude that just make the Eagles pass, you'll get beaten because he can pass the ball. It, do you know what? It's got very similar echoes to Allen in his first few seasons where he hadn't got his throwing game together at that point but he was he was a successful rusher and I think a lot of people are like oh yeah the only reason he's even half good is is because he can rush and look at him now I think like you said people are looking at Hertz's rookie year and they're going well do you know what he's just a rusher but I think he's proven this season quite consistently that he's more than just a rusher and that kind of dual threat is what sets quarterbacks aside when you look at you know, Jackson, Hurts, Allen, it's difficult to stop and Green Bay really struggled. It, this is how the game is being played right now. But you're absolutely right there. There's a very similar way of looking at this with Josh Allen in his first couple of years. Basically, if you've got quarterbacks who mechanically just maybe need a little bit of tweaking, but who can be coached to go through their progressions correctly and play the game how the coach wants, you can fix accuracy problems. I think that has been proven. And that's something that even I was kind of skeptical of with Josh Allen when he was coming into the National Football League, having only had a 53% completion rate in college. You think, well, if he can't throw the ball accurately in college, what chance does he have in the NFL? I think that organizations are really showing now that with good coaching, you can change that. And it's changed my view on what you can do there. Well, Joe, that is music to my ears, considering what we're going on to talk about next, because surely the chat from Green Bay side is Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, and you're telling me accuracy can be fixed. Well, yeah, so this is a conversation that we've had amongst a few friends over the last day as well. Should Aaron Rodgers be benched right now? And There's a lot of different kind of strands here, a lot of things to think about. I think the first question, probably the most important one overall, is, is Rodgers actually injured or is this just smokescreen excuses to make up for what has been a subpar by his standards performance this season? Yeah, which, to which I honestly don't know the answer. And the reason for that is I don't know the answer in general. So many seasons you see people play badly and then out of the blue at the end of the season, they're like, oh yeah, they were battling through this injury all season. And you, you sit there going, but were they? <laughs> and... I, yeah. I don't know if this is a genuine injury and it explains some of Aaron Rodgers' problems this season or whether he's, you know, looking for excuses because he's playing poorly. I think either way, there's more than just injuries inhibiting Aaron Rodgers' game. We've talked about it already this season. He's got attitude issues. There's been difficulties with the play calling and things like that. So... I think even if he is genuinely, genuinely injured, it doesn't fully excuse his entire performance this season. However, it, it really does play into whether he should be starting or not. Yeah, well, so the, so the injury, and let's not kind of stay on this point for too long, but the injury he allegedly has is a thumb injury. Now, if I remember correctly, Russell Wilson had something like that mid-season last year, and it basically took him out. He couldn't play. And this was Russ Wilson, who until that point, I don't think had missed a game in his whole career. So if you have a thumb injury, I don't think you'd be playing quarterback. I don't think you'd be playing with the accuracy that he has been playing with. For me personally, I think the injury story is a distraction. The quality of play, though, Aaron Rodgers playing good, playing not good, being injured, whatever, that doesn't stop Philly 
dunking 40 points on you. Oh, God, yeah. And Rod- I don't think Rodgers was the issue this game, to be honest. I don't think he was. I don't think he was. So so it's funny that the that the, the conversation has now started about should he be benched. I guess it's because people are just basically giving up on Green Bay season now, which... Yeah. Well, you can give up on them, but basically they're not going to win the NFC North. The Vikings can actually wrap up the NFC North with five games to spare this weekend. That sounds lovely to say that. Um, <laughs> but but they potentially could still be playing for a wildcard berth. Mathematically, yes. But realistically, really? It's unlikely. But as as the commentators want to keep on telling us, and as the narrative they keep on pushing, that this is the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers can do these things. <laughs> Green Bay Packers are a playoff team. They were the preseason darlings for a lot of power rankings. I mean, even in, you know, taking yourself outside of football, the fact that some of these commentators have this idea that there's a certain DNA written into teams that... Championship teams. That frequently change players every year. <laughs> That's just a mental concept. Yeah. So they're currently four and eight. So basically, three games behind the Washington Commanders, who are one of the four so NFC East teams in the playoff picture right now. Look, they're eleventh in the NFC. They're not going to make it. The question is, do you bring in Jordan Love right now? Do you look at what you've got there, or what's the alternative? Do you just keep on going with Rogers and grind him out for the rest of the season? I mean, surely it's all got to come down to what you're looking to achieve next season. Do they still think they can re-roll the dice next season? Or are the organisation genuinely looking to the future and how they transition away from Aaron Rodgers? If they don't think there's a way, and I think this is the camp they should be sitting in, if they don't think that there's a way to drastically improve this team within a season for one last dance, then... I don't understand why you wouldn't give Love some experience during a season in which the pressure is off to a certain extent. Now, if they think they can bring in some pieces and mount another playoff run next season, then ah, there's a risk in benching Rodgers unless you create a cover story like an injury for him because you know how he reacts when you embarrass him publicly. Yeah, absolutely, mate. The fundamental thing with Aaron Rodgers' contract, though is that Green Bay will be crippled by dead money if they didn't go forward with him after this season. Let's not forget that Aaron Rodgers is, in terms of average per year, is the highest paid player in the NFL. His average per year contract, I think, works out at around about $50 million. If you cut him after this season, I think the dead cap is something like $31 million, $32 million. He's not going to retire when he's got fully guaranteed $100 million of money out there. So you can't really move on from Rodgers in the short term. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that you cut him, but I just... But then why even try out Jordan Love? Why even look at what you've got there? Because he's not an option. But you're talking about one year. Like, we need to know whether Jordan Love is worth pursuing before we draft again. Uh, Yeah, but... Green Bay didn't think about one year when they gave Rodgers a guaranteed 100 million contract with a contract value of 150 million. That's that's not one year thinking. That's not thinking we've got to look at the draft next year for a quarterback. That's we've mortgaged for the next three years on Aaron Rodgers. There's still dead cap on the season after. There's like a 23 million cap here in 2024. Oof. 
Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of horrible realisation. I'd also like to point out, I mentioned this last season when the phrase kicking the can down the road was mentioned more than once. Yeah, I think you did, mate. I think you did. It's ugly to get rid of Rogers in any possible way. I mean, because of the type of guy he is, even if you're not playing him, do you want him sitting on the bench and just scouring and making everyone feel like crap if he's not on the field? Yeah, but he makes them feel like that if he is on the field. Like, this is what... <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's what makes this... That's a fair comment. Yeah, that's what makes this such a difficult decision. Because eventually, you will need to look towards the future. You have to. Like, he's... When his contract is up, and, you know, if that's dead cap in two years' time or whatever, he, he will eventually be gone. And it's no good having him here for three years and, and playing him out of fear. And then when he leaves, going... Uh, now what? Like, we need to plan for that at some point. And even if it's just, let's give Jordan Love three, four games this season just to see if, if Jordan Love is worth keeping around. Aaron Rodgers can come back in next season. You hind him behind his thumb injury this season. You see what you got in Jordan Love. And then you make a call on whether you release Jordan Love or whether you look for a, a new quarterback to eventually replace Aaron Rodgers. I just think, I just think if you give love no game time this season except for like the odd half of football come two years time you're still in a, a terrible terrible situation yeah okay uh i'll take your point charles but i just want to add that i um i actually misspoke previously it's not like a 30 million dead cap hit if rogers is cut or off a team it's 100 million it's 100 million of dead cap space if Rogers is forced out of a green bay packers in 2023 who the hell is writing checks their body can't cash joe <laughs> It's just, it's, it's just carnage. Anyway, let's not dwell on Aaron Rodgers. Let's move on from that. Let's talk about the next thing on the agenda tonight, which is... Ravens versus Ravens Jags, Jags, man. This was, you know, there's a lot to talk about in this game. I imagine a lot of it is going to be positioned around the Jags and, and how well they did. But before we go anywhere, I do just want to say that Lamar Jackson was let down so badly by his receivers this weekend. Like, how many drops were there? About nine? Well, you've basically kind of got the crux of what I was going to talk about here. Because I wanted to make the point about how it's nice to talk about the Jags, how we don't often talk about the Jags unless it's a Wembley game. So nice to talk about a, a good game that they were in and winning that game as well. Lawrence's best performance to date. 321 yards through the air, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. It was a good performance from Lawrence, what people were probably expecting when he came into the league last season. He did it with basically zero ground game as well. Travis Etienne took a knock early on. It doesn't look like it's anything serious. I think he can play next week. They just wanted to be careful with him. But after he went off, I think the ground game just basically ground to a halt. I think they had 38 yards for the whole game total, which is you know, pittance. And then a huge call from Doug Pedersen at the end there to go for two, to go for the win. Paid off, just shows what the team's about. Really good performance. Then the flip side, of course, is so what about the Ravens? And I think you've just summed it up exactly there. I still believe in this Ravens team. I still think this Ravens team have a potential to go a very long way through the playoffs. I think that they're dangerous offensively. When they click on defense, they're more than proficient. But every player was letting down Lamar Jackson. Players who normally have, you know, stick them on their hands, basically. Players like Mark Andrews dropping everything, thrown his way. It was very uncharacteristic. I think sometimes these things happen. They happen to good teams. Ravens still top of the AFC North. Will still make playoffs. 
they've just got to write this one off and move on to next week. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I also felt sorry for Jackson at the end of the game when he had to talk to the press because they absolutely sucker punched him with some traditional, like, stupid press media comment about the fact that he'd he'd lost at the Jaguars before and he's never won there and it's like just give it a rest it's so lazy so lazy but anyway yeah um I know you hate PFF but the one thing that I think I do you do we've spoken about it before um (laughs) indeed but we have said as a as an indicator if you use it in conjunction with other things it can help as a sort of as a guiding yardstick directionally yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and i think the thing that made me sort of sit up this week and pay a bit more attention to it was lamar jackson when you look at his stats just his his game stats because of the drops and and you know everything else that went on his stats don't look great he still ended up with a 90 plus pff grade for this game which just goes to show actually how well he did perform but unfortunately was let down by other areas in the team and i think it's exactly what you say these things happen it seemed to happen all in the same game and if that's your bad luck for the year then fantastic i don't think it's massively anything to worry about at the moment it it felt like that was a game that's going to sting the pride of a few Baltimore players but as long as they bounce back from it they're still a a really solid looking team they've got a really decent quarterback in Lamar Jackson and I think they'll go far in playoffs yeah they have to look over their shoulders at the Cincinnati Bengals who are now 7-4 the same as them in the AFC North they're going to want to win the AFC North rather than try to sneak through in a wild card but look they're a fundamentally good team and Lamar Jackson you're absolutely right to point out that stat because he's probably the OG Jalen Hurts in a sense, that yeah. um, all because he's very good on the ground, people should disregard and disrespect his passing game. And he can absolutely ball there. Right, let's go into our uh, quick fire two minute drill and chat about a few of the other just key bits and bobs from other games. So, why don't we start with Cardinals losing again? Except this time it sort of pushed Murray to breaking point, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, a foul mouth tirade in the uh, after-game presser. He said that schematically they were effed. And I thought this was a very, very interesting comment from Murray to talk about schemes, especially given, you know, the reputation that he has not doing his homework, etc., etc., staying up, playing Call of Duty when he should be looking at whatever he should be looking at as a quarterback. Very interesting for him to come out with that and very interesting for him to put pressure onto the coaching staff who, let's be honest, in all likelihood, Cliff Kingsbury's probably getting sacked at the end of this season, isn't he? Yeah, 100%. I I mean, I think it was only a couple of episodes ago where I said, look, I think they'll see it out. I think they'll give him to the end of the season. But, you know, if he can't... But when your quarterback is coming out and saying that you were schematically effed and he didn't say effed, that puts even more pressure on a coach. 100%. I think I think there is a real risk that he doesn't even get to the end of the season now. That's phenomenal pressure. I am cynical about those comments, not to say that I think Kingsbury's been nailing it in terms of the schemes that he's been running, but more to what you've just discussed then is like, who is Murray to say that schematically they were screwed when he's been accused so many times of just not doing his homework? And I do wonder if it is a little bit of a kind of scapegoat move because he has not performed well this season. But either way... That's how I read it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how I read it. It feels almost like a deflection. 
Yes. Because he's got now this reputation where he doesn't go through his progressions properly, which he doesn't, because he doesn't game plan properly, which are the strong rumours. For him to then blame schematic stuff to make out that, oh yeah, I know the schemes and the schemes aren't right. It just sounds off to me, but, you know, maybe maybe Murray knows more than we do and who are we to say? Yeah, and look, whether it's true or whether it's not, the fact of the matter is, optics-wise, that's going to hurt Kingsbury massively, whether there's truth to it or not. Absolutely. So they are a team that is in proper freefall at the moment, and it'll be really interesting to see what that team looks like next season, to be honest. Absolutely. Next up, Cleveland sneaking a win against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. What do we make of that, Joe? Yeah, comeback win here. It's weird because the Browns probably aren't a relevant team anymore. They're four and seven. You've got the Ravens, you've got the Bengals in the AFC North. They're after dinner scraps with the Pittsburgh Steelers, really. So not a playoff relevant team. Came back from behind, though, beat Tampa Bay. It's interesting because Tampa Bay shouldn't be losing games like this to Cleveland. This isn't like a one-off. This isn't like it's a glitch, a blip, like we can say it was for the Ravens against the Jaguars this week. This is how the Tampa Bay season has basically been going. Weirdly, with a 5-6 record, they're still top of the NFC South. My question just... That is bonkers. It's, it's, it's bonkers. It's bonkers. When you look at every team in the NFC East has a better record than them and are in the playoffs, and they're just <laughs> sitting at fourth seed just by the fact that the rest of their division isn't very good. It does make you question how we kind of work these things out. But the first question is, do you think Tampa Bay will, will stay there? Are they a playoff team? And then the second question is, if they make playoffs, do you think they can elevate? Do you think that they can patch up the issues that they have? Because there are big issues with this team. It's not what it was a season, two seasons ago. Do you think they can patch those up? Or are they going to be a one-done Excellent question. Uh, do I think they'll make playoffs? Yeah, I I think they've got enough to sneak in. Like you said, they're winning their division because their division is just so bad. I think they'll do enough to probably stay atop that. But I think they are, as you rightly said, they're a very different team from last season. And last season, they were coming off their Super Bowl win they were not the same team even last season and you could see the holes and you could see the gaps, but they weren't enormous. And you thought, do you know what? Tom Brady always steps it up at Super Bowl. Some of those young players, they're still hungry. They'll step it up. And and for the most part, they did last season. This season, I think those holes are too big. I think their problems are too much to overcome. And I think Tom Brady has a limit on how much he can step it up and carry this team. So I think that I think if they do make it, which I suspect they will, they'll probably be a one and done team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I I can't see them winning against any of the playoff teams in the playoff picture right now. I can't see them winning against a lot of the playoff teams in the hunt, to be honest. This is a one and done team in my eyes. Very quickly, Chaz, just to finish on, uh, I just want to do a quick mention for Detroit. We've mentioned them a few times. Great, great game on Thanksgiving against Buffalo. Very unlucky to be on the wrong side of a 28-25 loss. How do we feel about this team? How many good players are they off being a playoff team? What do they need to do to their defense to turn these close losses into close wins? I feel that's a leading question because you're absolutely right. The defense is where they need to look. Offensively, they're super exciting. 
defensively, like we we've spoken about some of their players before. They've got some very exciting defensive players, but one or two. They they really need to shore up the rest of that defense so they can stop getting dunked on. Because uh, you you look at this team and you feel that if they could just stop, you know, even two or three drives a game then they might find them in a position where they're winning more games than they're losing. I really enjoy watching this Detroit team. I think they're a just balls-to-the-wall exciting team to watch, Uh, a little bit like the Falcons in that sense. How many players are they away? It's so hard to say. I, I sort of feel that there may be a few, because as we've seen, separate side of the field, but when we talked about the O line for the Bengals, you know, one or two good players don't necessarily immediately make a great unit and I think there's probably a season or two's work to do there still to make them a competitive team in that sense do you have a different view yeah yeah I totally agree with Charles they need to bring in a few players the only thing I would say is that they're weirdly not looking at a huge amount of cap space in 2023 you think that with there not being that many big name players in the team a quarterback in Jared Goff, a very, very few huge names. You think that they probably have more cap space. They don't, especially with the players they need to re-sign and that kind of thing. So I was going to say, yeah, they need to get their checkbook out in the offseason. But I think there's a lot of work that the front office has to do to get rid of some of the dead weight. There's decisions that have to be made about Jared Goff, about whether they're going to keep him around for another year, whether they're going to cut him, because they can theoretically do that and get quite a bit of cap saving back. I'm pretty sure they will be keeping him with how he's played this season, but they might want to be doing a bit of a restructure there. His cap number next season is 30-odd million, which arguably a player like Jared Goff shouldn't be eating up. Uh, but yeah, let's just say, look, three, four players they got to bring in in the defense, stop some of those drives, win some of the close losses. And who knows, with Green Bay kind of tumbling down, the Bears still looking like they're nowhere near the races. Maybe the Lions can duke it out a little bit more closer with the Vikings next season. Oh, yeah, maybe so. I, do you know what? That that really, really surprises me, what you said about the cap there. I, you could have given me 16 guesses. and I don't think the Lions would have been a team I'd mentioned that were rubbing their heads against the ceiling there. That is really surprising. So, yeah, that sounds like a more logistical headache than just finding the right guys. Yeah, it's just kind of like historic contracts. Like You've got players like Jared Goff, who have a cap number of almost 31 million next season. Romeo Quara. 14 and a half. Taylor Decker is on 20 odd million of cap hit next season. Jeff Akuda, 11. Wow. Frank Ragnow, 16 and a half million. Just those five, <laughs> like just those five players, you're way over 100 million. And so they've got to work things around. There's a lot of restructuring to do. There's probably dead weight to get off this team. I'm sure a front office is capable of doing this, but it's not just a case of, hey, we're the Lions. We haven't got any big name players. Let's go and sign some. We've got work to do. All right then, Joe, any games that you're looking out for next week? Uh, None that I'm particularly looking out for. I'm kind of hoping that when Deshaun Watson returns to the Browns, it's not comfortable for him. But let's see how that one goes. I so desperately want the Texans to win, like, so badly. But I I think it's a tall ask. It's a tall ask for the Texans to score more than seven points most weeks. (laughs) But, you know, we can only hope. All right, Joe, well, enjoy the football and we will speak next week. Speak next week, Charles.